0: If you are an everyday cook in any capacity, whether you like to bake once in a while or you cook weeknight meals for your family, you have likely come across the food blog, cookbooks, Instagram, and TikTok of Half-Baked Harvest. Tegan Gerard has been inspiring us with her incredible videos, her incredible cooking videos, her beautiful food photography, and her recipes that are totally attainable and inspire new flavor and technique for the everyday host. Now, we have been paying attention to a question that comes into our page quite often, and that is, how do I prepare for feeding large groups? If you know anything about Tegan, you will know that she is from a large family. And so when we were looking for someone to start this conversation with, we knew we had to extend the invite to her because she has a unique insight and experience with this very topic. So today, Tegan and I are going to be talking about her experience with a large table, the fun, the chaos, the decadence, and everything in between, sharing her must-know tips, her favorite dishes, and ways words of encouragement for you as you prepare to fill your own table. If you do not know Half Baked Harvest or Tegan Gerard, here is a little bit more about her bio and her exciting upcoming new book. New York Times bestselling cookbook author of Half Baked Harvest and Super Simple, Tegan Gerard, creates recipes inspired by the people and places she loves most. A food photographer, stylist, and recipe developer, Tegan shares her work on her blog, Half Baked Harvest. Follow along on her site and social channels for her stunningly beautiful meals. And thoughtful recipes that taste even better than they look. Tegan's new cookbook, Half Baked Harvest Every Day, arrives March 29th and is available for pre order now. The millions of fans of Half-Baked Harvest blog and best-selling books have fallen in love with Tegan's recipes for their wholesome decadence, non-fussy approach, and smart twists of comforting favorites. Written and photographed in the stunning mountains of Colorado, inspired by her big, unique family, and focused on what you'll want to eat day in and day out, Half-Baked Harvest every day delivers all new recipes that will feed your body and your soul. For Tegan, feel-good food isn't about restrictive eating. It's about eating real food with lots of flavor and satisfaction of sharing it with those that you love. Finding balance is about giving your body and your cravings what they need, whether that's a light veggie-packed dish or a big old plate of something comforting. Guys, it is an honor and a privilege to introduce you to our new friend Tegan and to share this incredible conversation that you will not want to miss. Welcome to Making Room, a podcast by Gather Intentional Living and Everyday Hospitality. Listen, we understand that the way that our culture often portrays hospitality is unattainable, and sometimes even just the thought of opening your door is crippling. Join us in the pursuit to bringing beauty, meaning, and celebration back to the everyday gathering go ahead, take your seat. We saved one just for you. If you are looking to buy or sell your home, then this is for you. If you are looking for a real estate agent that is hungry, committed, and accountable, then Emily White from the One Team of William Ravis in Connecticut is your go-to real estate agent. Emily has lived in Madison, Connecticut for 29 years, has recommendations for local home improvement, vendors, and daycare just to list a few. She's professional, determined, innovative, and shows genuine concern and care for her clients. Do you want to know how much equity you've gained in your home and what it's worth in this crazy market? Emily will do a free comparative market analysis for you. Ready to reach out to Emily today to start the process of selling your home or finding your dream home? You can reach her at 203-710-0202. Calling all cooking enthusiasts. This is for you. Your favorite dish is called, and they're asking for an olive oil upgrade. Our friends at Durant Olive Mill produce high quality, all natural extra virgin olive oil that you can use on everything from your favorite dips to your favorite salad dressings and everything in between. Durant Olive Mill is home to 17 acres of olive trees, the -the state-of-the-art Italian mill. With a blend of olives from their own grove and carefully sourced growers in Northern California, you can taste the difference. Are you ready to get a bottle of your own extra virgin olive oil? Use code DURANT, D-U-R-A-N-T, for 10% off your first purchase of Oregon-made extra virgin olive oil. You can access this at durantoregon.com and be sure to follow them on Instagram for all you need to know about new products, recipe inspiration, and more at Durant, D-U-R-A-N-T underscore Oregon. Perfect. So I want to start um, just getting a glimpse into your childhood table. I feel like anyone that follows you and your family on Instagram would be curious to know this. So, when you guys were younger, let's start here. What did dinner time look like?
1: Um. Well, dinner time was chaotic. It's really the reason why I started cooking. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, I grew up with all brothers. There was at the time about six of us uh until red was born and um gosh we're like seven years apart but so uh so there you know it was chaotic there was still a lot of kids a lot of boys so very rambunctious everybody had something going on between schoolwork sports um and just like a bunch of boys in a house it's just craziness so dinner and my parents worked i mean my mom was a stay-at-home It was has always been a stay-at-home mom, but like she just has a million side jobs, I feel like, all the time. Um, So things are just busy, you know, like everybody's lives. And we would eat so late, like between 9 and 10 o'clock at night. And, um, you know, that was just like what we would do. And also dinner was very basic, which was fine. I mean, we did a lot of chicken and rice, a lot of tacos. And to this day, I love my dad's tacos. Um, But I was just kind of like eventually in uh, middle school like, well, I'm just going to sort of start cooking. And that's when I started cooking.
0: That's so funny. And to hear you say nine or 10 o'clock, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'd be passed out on the floor by then. (laughs) I'm like a five (laughs) o'clock eater. It was just so funny. So, wow. That's so, it's so interesting. Okay. So between like the chaos and the late night, you started helping to cook and did dinner time get earlier? as a result of that
1: a little bit, but like getting every, I mean, and we didn't always eat like, we weren't like, you know, the seventh heaven family that was eating um, all around the dinner table together. Mm -hmm. It was, it was chaotic. You know, we were for the most part eating together, but just like in the kitchen, the table was never set um, or anything like that. And it was like, people would come and go and it just was nothing formal by any means. Um, So, so I mean, we just, the, the late time has really always been, just like what we do, yeah. Um, it's but very it, European. It a little bit, er- yeah. We it did it a little bit earlier. I'm sure I can't even really remember. It's like a blur, but that was originally the reason why I started cooking. So, yeah,
0: that's okay. That's very European. I remember, like, anytime we travel through Europe, like the late dinner times. So we'll just go with that, right? <laughs> okay. Yeah, so no, hey. It's great, sure. right? <laughs> Tapas as you're waiting, yeah. appetizers. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so through this process, you started cooking for your family and I'm sure like experimenting along the way. When do you feel like the switch flipped and you were like, I don't just love this as a hobby. I I want this
1: to be my life's work. What was that process like? Um, I never really made that decision in my mind. It just happened. Like hmm. I It just, I really was one of those people. And I know a lot of people will say this, but like, I really fell into this. Um, I said my whole life, I am going to go to school in LA. I want to be a fashion stylist. I want to work in the fashion space. Like my entire life to this day, it's like my side dream. I just love (laughs) the fashion space so much. I love clothes. I love bags. I love all of that. Um, And so, you know, I'm just a very like creative, I love to put things together in a creative way, make them look pretty. Um, I always said I was going to do that. And I really didn't change my thinking on that until, you know, 19 or 20, uh, probably about like a year into Half-Baked Harvest. And I just was spending all of my time on it, like all of my time. So it just, I really just, I
0: just went with it. I ran with it. So amazing. I, yeah. And that's very much like our story. And if you listen to like how I built this with Guy Raz, I feel like a lot of people end up with that, you know, that kind of experience, which is so sweet. It's almost kind of like, yeah, the stepping stones that lead you to something you didn't know you wanted, you know, or needed. So that's really cool. Sure. Um, so, and <laughs> I know, you know, people will be listening to this at different times, but your outfit on Instagram last night <laughs> was so killer. Did you, you picked it out, oh, right? You styled yourself you. in LA.
1: No, actually. Well, so, I mean, yes and no. I actually love to so my brother's girlfriend, Caitlin. She's an amazing, she's like, a, I mean, an amazing stylist out here. And she has been helping me because it takes so much time to find clothes, put things together. Right? And she's just incredible and I don't have to worry about it. So I'm just like, Kate, help me out. And we really have, she gets my vibe. So it's great. Um, so I cannot take all the credit there. She is awesome. And if anybody needs a stylist now, LA, I, like I know, Harvey, right? everybody. You were wearing those, like,
0: <laughs> were they black leather? Was it like leather pants? Yeah. Those Not are so sweater. funny. It's
1: actually, they're an older, they're an older p- pant that I have, but people, and I like, people want the link and I'm like, guys, I'm really sorry. They're older. I don't have it. <laughs>
0: It's a classic statement piece. That's awesome. Anyways, you rocked it. I it know. Good.
1: I feel bad. I'm like, I'm not one of those people. I promise, I would give you the link.
0: <laughs> An oldie but goodie. Those are the best. Um, okay. So let's dive into feeding crowds because that's definitely something that you kind of grew up with. That was your whole hospitality eating experience. Um, and one of the questions we get um, asked a lot is how to prepare for large groups because, you know, whether we're raised in a family of five people or even smaller, um, it's not something a lot of us have experience with. So I want to kind of jump around from how to manage quantity to how to prepare for shopping and a little bit of everything in between. So um, when you're preparing for cooking for a large group, do you have a loose formula that you kind of work with to determine quantity? Um, This can look like a number of, oh, go ahead, go ahead.
1: You no, know, yeah. I mean, I think it just really depends what it is you're cooking. If it's like a meat, you know, I typically do. And this is, I feel generous, um, you know, half a pound of, you know, meat per person kind of thing, like a like a steak or something like that, or a chicken. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I tend to err on the generous side just because you don't want anybody to ever feel like there's not enough food to go around. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of what I do for that type of thing. But like, if it's a pasta or something like that, you know, again, I air kind of on the generous side. Um, and if you're like, it just really depends on what it is that you're cooking. Um, but if it's, you know, four to six people, typically, you know, if it's more than six people, you're going to need more than like a box of pasta, especially depending like if it's a really simple pasta, and there's not a lot of vegetables or something in it. Um, you just kind of I it's it's a tricky, it is a tricky thing. And I, I do struggle with it too, is because it's just you never know. So Mm -hmm. because I feel like you never really fully know, I just always err on the side of, well, we love to eat leftovers, so me too. we'll we'll make a little bit more than extra. We'll make some extra.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you. I was raised living with my Italian grandpa. So leftovers were kind of like the goal, you know, (laughs) Mm -hmm, always mm -hmm. overcook. Um, Do you have kind of a main dish, side dish, like count that you work with? Like if you have 10 people, you have this many proteins as many side dishes anything like that
1: oh it's no nothing calculated like that i don't know if people do it that way but it is nothing calculated like that i am so simple um you know when i'm entertaining or even just serving my family everything is very like family style laid back i just think that's just the way i am and you know my family is so Mm -hmm. the way i do it no 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 nothing calculated like that i will say i always really do Um, I think it's really nice to have a big, bright green salad on the table, pretty much unless you're like serving a very heavy vegetable focused dish, I think it's really nice to have something bright and fresh on the table. Mm -hmm. Um, so I will say that.
0: Yeah, no, that's great.
1: That's great. Sometimes,
0: sometimes at gather, we say like for, um, like groups of 10 or less, we do like one main dish, one starch and one kind of vegetable. Um, And then as
1: you get like over 10 people, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, no, yes, that's a great, yes. I mean, definitely. Like if I'm really like, if it's not just my family and I'm really like thinking about it as like, how am I creating a menu for sure? I mean, usually I'm like, okay, well, we got it. I have to have a grain. I call it like a carb, but whatever. You know, I got to have some kind of grain. I got to have a nice green salad. And those are my two, I have to have those. And then protein, it really depends for me on who I'm serving. I mean, there's protein in all the different kinds of things. But if we're talking like a meat or something like that, if I'm serving, you know, a lot of brothers and boys and men, then yeah, there's probably definitely going to be a chicken or a steak on the table. Um, And if I'm serving, like, for instance, you know, our team was out uh, last week and we we did all pastas and like. There was no, it was all vegetable focused. So it just, I mean, again, How fun. but yeah, I do, I do hear that. And for sure, I think that, you know, um, and if you're doing something like, like a steak, you definitely need, you know, a steak, uh, a potato and a vegetable. Uh, absolutely. I mean, a potato is a vegetable, but it's also a carb. So yeah, that's awesome.
0: When you're menu planning, do you kind of go off of main dishes and side dishes, what you're craving, or do you ingredient match, or how do you pick like side dishes to complement the main dish? How do you approach that kind of scenario?
1: Again, it, it, it will depend what the main dish is. I mean, if it's something like a meat that is very protein heavy, I'm definitely going to go towards something like a, a pasta, a rice, or a potato. I mean, that's just I'm a Midwest kind of girl so that's where I go and you always got to have that um and then you know again a nice I like I really like to have some kind of color whether it's like a bright green vegetable or lots of you know grilled peppers or whatever it is something really bright to add to that to that menu um and to kind of like balance out like the coziness the heaviness or whatever it is and I think that if I mean, if it's something like a pasta, you can guarantee that I'm definitely doing a really big green salad. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's usually avocado on all of my salads. so (laughs) Can't go wrong, huh?
0: Um, One of the questions that came in on Instagram was when we're approaching either one of your recipes or someone else's. When is it okay to multiply it, like times two times three, and when is it not okay? Do you know? do you have any tips for multiplying recipes?
1: Yeah, sure. I think the pastas are really easy to multiply. I think that things like um, star fries and uh, I think there's a lot there's a lot of recipes that are really, really easy to multiply. Um, I'm trying to think of even what, like you couldn't, I mean, essentially everything can be doubled or tripled or whatever, but like when you are working with things like sauces and, you know, there, there's a, there is a large quantity of sauce you might not need, uh, you know, say you're doing, I do a lot of Asian inspired dishes and say you're doing like a soy sauce based sauce and you're pouring it over chicken. And there's like, a lot of different ingredients involved in that sauce and you're just adding a little bit more chicken, you might not need to like double the sauce. You might need to like add a little bit more, but doubling it, it sometimes could be overwhelming to, if you double the chicken, it just, it just, it is really difficult because certain things do depend, you know? Mm -hmm. So I would just say to be aware when you are doubling things of like the quantities of certain ingredients, and mm-hmm. if you're like oh my gosh like i am not putting six heads of garlic in this pasta like you know yeah that's a lot of garlic you could probably whittle it down if you're if you're like going okay i have six boxes of pasta so the recipe calls for a whole head of garlic i'm going to do six whole heads of garlic like, you probably don't need to do that you could maybe do like three and have that you're going to have plenty of garlic flavor you know right. um so i also think i as i always tell people like you really have to you know, cooking is a very like intuitive thing. And you really have to take it down to what your family eats, what you really what you really love, you know, and kind of use your best judgment for certain things like that, which I know is intimidating for some people, but I don't want it to be like, it's not going to like mess anything up. I will say baking is tricky. And if you are you know, baking should definitely be more of an exact thing. And if you are, that can be really, really tricky to do. Like, sometimes people will be like, I want to make this recipe plus half of it. And I'm like, well, you can't really have, it's really difficult to cut an egg in half. So like, it's, a, it's, a, it is definitely a tricky thing. Sometimes I find personally with baking, if you want to make a larger quantity of things, it's really just easier to make the recipe again so that you right. don't mess any of those measurements up because personally I am horrible in there. I so i um, doing all the numbers and the adding, and I'm just like, no, I'm just going to, I'm just going to make it once. And then I'm going to make it twice. Mm-hmm. Um, and it turns out better for me personally.
0: I had a terrible experience when we first started. Um, I was taking like cake orders just as a side gig and I had to make a huge wedding cake. And I remember, you know, I just like multiplied it by whatever three or four and the whole cake ended up tasting metallic. And I was like, okay, note made <laughs> when, when there's like baking soda, oh. baking powder involved, it doesn't always work. But like you're saying, multiplying things like sausage and peppers or, you know, chicken and sauce, like that's, you know, it's a different story and not as, yeah, yeah, yeah. not as risky. That's awesome. Um, Well, when you are approaching, okay, so when you're approaching, say, okay, maybe not your weeknight meal with your family, but maybe you're having a bunch of people over. What are some other hospitality or like table setting tips that you have to make the process smoother for feeding a large crowd?
1: Um, I mean, I, first of all, please just keep things simple. Like people really try to be, and I've done this myself, like I get it really ambitious and I'm an ambitious person, I totally understand that. But like, you're going to be so much happier at the end of the night, if you really just keep things simple, like nobody is expecting you to be Martha Stewart here. So um, and you shouldn't hold yourself accountable to that. So keep it simple. Um, I think you should, you know, know the people that you're entertaining, obviously. And if there's any dietary restrictions, I think you should try to find that out beforehand, so that nobody's uncomfortable during dinner. I do think it's nice. There's a lot of dietary restrictions these days to try to be able to, if you can easily accommodate your guests. And I think that you should try to do, I mean, this is so basic, but try to do as much prep as you can before, you know, your dinner starts. Um, that is just so, so helpful. So dishes that can be made in advance or prepped in advance so that you really don't have to be stressing in the kitchen when you also are trying to entertain. It's a difficult thing. Um, And uh, so I think those are really, really key. I think that having a simple appetizer snack out when people arrive is really nice. I think it just is inviting and really welcomes people into your home. And it feels just warm and cozy and great. The Mm -hmm. other thing that I don't know, my grandma always taught me this. You have to, you know, if you are entertaining and you're, especially if you're like stressed for time, at the table the night before or even a couple of days before because like that is something you can easily get done ahead of time um to save yourself a little bit of like stress
0: yeah during the night
1: and I don't know about you know me personally like I my family doesn't care about a table setting so it's I do but like They, you know, me personally, it's, it's probably the, if it, if something's getting dropped off the list, it's that. So I think it's really nice that you can do it the night before because it won't get dropped off the list.
0: Yeah. That's so good. One of the things that I've kind of done over just like my gatherings over the years is I'll take out all the casserole or serving dishes of everything I'm making ahead of time first. Yep. When I'm, so when I'm scrambling last minute, I I don't have to dig through the cupboard to look for the platter. It's there. And I just serve it.
1: You label them (laughs) with a little sticky note too.
0: I probably should, but I don't. Do
1: you? Oh, so like if it's Thanksgiving and I just have so, Thanksgiving or Christmas and I just have, or just like there's a lot of people um, and I just have so many like different dishes that I know are going to need serving pieces and, you know, um, I'm like a vessel. I don't know why I'm yeah, like, I know. I'll label, I'll label like a casserole. I'll label what the recipe is and I'll just stick it in the, my grandma did this too. And I'll just stick it in, like side the dish so that I know, okay, I want this one for this recipe.
0: Mm-hmm. It's so smart. It saves so much time too. It's It's the little things that make a huge difference. Um, I forgot to ask, and then we'll move on. What is your go-to big crowd meal? So for example, mine is sausage and peppers with roasted potatoes. What's your go-to? Uh,
1: lasagna. I do, because hey. so, mm-hmm. like I do lasagna because you can really like if you have someone that is vegetarian, you can do a white lasagna. If you have a lot of, you know, meat eaters, you can do a nice a traditional Italian style lasagna. So there, it's, I do lasagna. Awesome, classic, classic. Um,
0: yeah, okay, so as so as you, I know, right? It is, and you have so many good ones too, like the white sauce ones. Oh my word! What's that one? Mm-hmm. Is it a butternut squash sage one? Like, is that
1: Probably one of your recipes? I love the combo.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I think I've made it before and it's killer, but okay. As you've gotten older, um, I know that a lot of you guys are still together often, um, and share, share meal, share time at the table. And from what you've shared a little bit, like you guys get along really well, right? Is that, that's accurate as a family. You guys don't like bicker at the table.
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, we always, we always bicker. Um, but not like, I mean, we, there's just, they're a loud bunch. I, here's, I'm i nothing like my family. It's really funny. I am like the, I love them to death. I love being with them, but I'm like the total outcast just because I'm so like different from them because they're just wild, they're rambunctious. They're like, oh my God, are you going to stop? Um, <laughs> but I love them so much. Um, and yes, it's really, really, I think it's a really unique situation. We really do enjoy each other's company when (laughs) you mean like my brothers were in China and like they had been home for a while um in Colorado they technically live in California but they had been home for the holidays and just all types of different sorts of things for a while and uh so they were in Colorado and we just kind of had the whole family together for a while and we're like this isn't the same without Kai and Red this is just weird so Mm -hmm. it's we're like so weird and yes we really do enjoy being together but we do. I mean like we bicker it's just like it's never like we don't like divisive
0: (laughs) right 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 so if you were to pinpoint it I know you said your parents worked really hard to kind of like keep you guys together as a unit but what would you say the key is to keeping your family together like at you know so close especially at the table
1: Um, well I mean I really my parents I mean well we just all have always had a good relationship but that's definitely due to my parents Mm-hmm. Um, we, you know, I think we just have always had a really strong family bond. We've always done things together. You know, my brothers, I, you know, when like we were kids, like they, we would always play together. We would go on vacations together. You know, they just really made sure that like we, whether we liked it or not were, and it wasn't that we didn't like it, but we were together. So. Um, and they always, they've always created a space that we wanted to be a part of. It was just, they did a really good job of that. You know, um, we, nobody ever feels like, I don't want to spend time with you guys. Like, it's just not that way. Um, and it never has been that way. They've never created that environment for us. Um, so I think that, you know, that's, my parents are really key to the whole equation here. So mm-hmm. that's awesome.
0: I've come to love your dad from Instagram. He's such a he's such a good guy. My
1: dad is the best. I love my dad
0: so much. Yeah. Oh man, what was he trying the other day? Or the dishes? I think that's what I. <laughs> you were like asking him oh, if yeah. the dishes a, bothered him or something. <laughs> he
1: he's a dish guy. He is. He does all the non fun jobs
0: basically. Oh, my husband does that too. Good guys. Good guys. <laughs> um. Okay. So your book release, what book number is this?
1: This is number it, three.
0: Okay. Okay. So it's right around the corner. March, right? Is what the official release date? March 29th. yes. March 29th. Okay. Um, so I love all of them, of course, all of your books. Um, but I'm really excited for this one because I love the focus on both rich flavor and nutrient rich foods, kind of like all coming together. Um, what are you most excited about with this book? And what can readers
1: expect? Uh, well, this book, you know, is very, I mean, they can expect my like, same similar style of recipes. So I feel like everybody's going to really love them. But, um, you know, it it's definitely a little bit more focused in a great way. I mean, the recipes are delicious on color and vegetables and things like that. I would never call this a, you know, like health or diet book by any means, because it is not. But there was a little bit more of a there's a lot more gluten-free recipes in this cookbook. There is, you know, lots of vegetarian dishes. There's even a handful of vegan ones. So again, there's a little bit of everything for everyone. So I really like that. And the recipes are very easily adaptable. And also, they're, none of them, they're very simple. Like, I just don't do non-simple recipes. Um, but, you know, the feedback, Every like I said earlier, there's a there is a lot of dietary restrictions out there. So I wanted to be able to easily accommodate those people as well. So there is a little bit more of that in this cookbook. It's full of color. It's full of all new recipes. Um, So, you know, that's really fun. And there's just a lot of different like variety and that's exciting. So I think that's really, really great. There is some drinks as well. And then, you know, there's even some uh, more wholesome focused desserts. So I think that people will really enjoy that because you would never really think like Oh, I'm doing. I'm you know. There's just simple ingredient swaps that make some of the dishes a little bit more wholesome in a way. There's still cheese, so like don't you know. There's all the good things that I love because I'm not going to sacrifice any of that. And I don't really like find those ingredients too poor for you. So you know that's it's that's kind of the uh, you know background behind the book. But really, it is just my same style of recipes. It's just a you know it's new it's updated it is it feels a little bit more you know who I am today the last book was over two years ago now so this is really exciting I've definitely grown in two years we've had a very interesting two years to say the least so Mm -hmm. um lots of different things and of course all the same fun stories so
0: Awesome. Absolutely. Everything we're looking forward to. And I love the special diet variety. I love that they're easy. I love all of those things that you said. So I feel like this is kind of one of those like perfect books for the everyday host. So you guys could pre-order it on Amazon. Is that the best way for you guys? People pre-order it there?
1: Um, Amazon, there's, you know, you can do it on your independent bookstores as well. Uh, we have okay. a whole cookbook page on halfbakedharvest.com, but uh, yeah, you can definitely pre-order it on Amazon there
0: (laughs) well we end every episode with the same three questions and I'm very curious to hear your answers to them as well are you looking for a way to make your drink station at your next gathering a little bit more vibrant and a little bit more nutritious Or are you looking for a way to add more nutrition into your everyday lifestyle? Plants by People has transformed ancient herbal remedies to suit today's palates and lifestyle. Each of the powdered, delectable wellness drinks is thoughtfully crafted from 100% organic superfoods and adaptogens. The sachets are ready to be mixed into your regular drinks. They are dairy-free, soy-free, gluten-free, and everything that we value here at Gather. There are no single-use bottles, no artificial sweeteners, and for sure, no crappy ethics. Just plants as capable and intelligent as always. On top of how delicious and nutritious they are, I love how beautifully they present. Each one comes in their own vibrant color, adding joy no matter where you serve them. You can get your own in the show notes on Amazon or get your own tonic at plantsbypeople.com. We have a trending alert. Dates have entered the snacking game. Not only do they taste like caramel and are full of antioxidants, they have more potassium than a banana and are low on the glycemic index, so it's a snack that won't make you crash. Julie's is changing the dating game one medjool at a time bringing you fresh dates straight out of California in sustainable packaging that will certainly make you smile. What we love about Julie's is not only are these juicy dates perfect for any snack, they are also great in energy bites, which is my favorite way to use them, straight in the food processor with a little coconut, and I can attest to the fact that they taste like straight bites of delicious caramel. You can also use their syrup as a replacement in baking, on your yogurt in the morning, or any way that you would use standard refined sugar. Go ahead and get your own Julie's at julies, J-O-O-L-I-E-S dot com and use gather 20, one word for 20% off. So, what is, um, what's something that you have found to be beautiful
1: lately? It could be anything. Um... Well, currently I am in LA and I really am enjoying, um, I think they're maybe like cherry blossom trees. I'm not really sure they're pink, but they're very beautiful and things are kind of starting to bloom here for spring. Wow! So I am enjoying also the sunshine and the little bit of warmth here. So that is definitely what I'm enjoying.
0: How fun. Yeah. I love that when spring hits, it's just like takes your breath away after the snow, especially Oh, I love well, that for
1: sure. And I mean, in, being in Colorado, we don't uh, being and being up in the mountains, like, we don't really see that ever. We see green and brown. It's beautiful. guys. Don't get me wrong. But like, we just have a different it's a different um, climate. So this is I love the color. I love flowers. Anybody that follows knows I love flowers. So
0: yeah. Soak it up. Soak it up. It's sweet. Um, oh man. Okay. I'm curious to hear your answer to this one. Um, what is <laughs> the, <laughs> your favorite thing you've eaten recently? Oh,
1: well, I was at this very fancy, um, LA restaurant the other night and they had a chocolate souffle that like comes out warm. Like you have to like pre-order it because it takes more time, you know, mm-hmm. it comes out warm and you like, rake it into the middle and then you immediately like pour over cream like this is all done at the table and it's like when you break it it's like steaming and obviously it was very delicious it was a whole experience I
0: love experience stuff like that a gathering that you've attended that made you feel a particularly
1: strong sense of belonging and why oh man I mean I can't even remember the last gathering I attended that wasn't like my family. I mean,
0: gathering, um, <laughs> it could be a while ago or just family. Yeah. Whatever makes you feel kind of at home. Um,
1: I mean, <laughs> there's nothing that makes me feel more at home than, you know, the holidays with my family and we are definitely gathering, um, it, you know, all gathering in Colorado. We're very, uh, we are all very, everyone travels a lot. So, Yes, we're together a lot, but we're also apart a lot. So it's really nice when you do have something like a holiday or a family vacation where you can gather together. I think, I mean, that is when I feel most at home um, because I am usually home and I am with my family. So, I mean, that's really where I would feel like that's, you know, my place. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I love that your family is that place for you. That's really, really sweet. Um, a mm-hmm. gift for sure. Okay, well, where can everyone find you? They can find your book on Amazon and your website, but where else? Where else can they find yep. you?
1: Yeah, I mean, I am Halfway Harvest on Instagram, on TikTok, basically all around. So, um, you guys can find me at Halfway Harvest. Awesome.
0: So I'm sure most of you already follow her, but if you don't, be sure to head mm-hmm. on over there all the exciting recipes butch book launch oh my gosh book launch details and everything to come this spring we're so excited for you thanks so much tegan thank you next time as we wrap up this episode you may be looking for a few more tips on how to better prepare for a large group so i wanted to share some things that have been helpful for us in my own hospitality and through the gather community now if we start out let's talk about food and how you are preparing and planning for your actual menu. Now, if you are cooking for a group of 10 or larger, we recommend doing things that are in the crock pot or in a very large casserole dish. Like Tegan says, she does a lasagna. I do sausage and peppers, things that could be cooked in volume very easily. So those are two ideas that come together um, and are well-loved, lasagna and sausage and peppers. But if we were to give a few more ideas, another staple go-to of mine is in the crock pot, I will do chicken or you could do pork with some barbecue sauce. And I water it down just a little bit with some broth based on the meat that I'm using. So I'll use some chicken broth. I pull it and I shred it at the end and I serve it with a side of coleslaw. Now, anytime that I'm preparing a large meal for a mixed group, I always make sure that the main dish is special diet friendly. So you may notice that the sausage and peppers and the pulled chicken, those are both naturally, um, depending on the products you use, but gluten-free and dairy-free. Then I have a side dish that is fresh, just like Tegan said, a fresh salad, fresh produce, so that they can have a complete meal if they have dietary restrictions. But then, because this is not everybody's case, I like to have something on the side as well that can easily be pulled together in bulk, like roasted potatoes or even a roll. So that guests that want something a little bit heartier can have that option as well so what that would look like is i would have rolls on in a basket i would have my pulled chicken you know in the crock pot maybe on the table and then the side of the coleslaw and all of those things come together so easily if you wanted to go the lasagna route, there is a brand not sponsored. It's called Jovial, and it's a gluten-free line of pasta from Italy. And I am telling you, I promise, promise, promise that you could make any of your lasagnas with their lasagna sheet, and the whole crowd would be happy. But if I could tell you one thing through this little snippet, um, would be to make sure that your main dish is one that everyone at the table can eat. Okay, now another suggestion that uh, we love to give and we're really passionate about is using our mealtime planning guide. This can be found on the homepage of our website. It's free. All you have to do is enter your email. It's sent right to you. And what this is, is you uh, kind of figure out when you need to be seated. So say six o'clock and then you write in all of your main dishes, all of your side dishes and how long they take to prepare. Then through this guide, you work backwards to figure out when you need to start making each item so that you can sit down and enjoy the gathering with your guests. So say, for example, it'll tell you to start the chicken at one and the rice at two. You guys get the picture. But this guide is a huge lifesaver, especially when you have big quantities, um, big groups, lots to make. Um, It has proven time and time again to be really helpful. The other thing, um, just kind of practically, um, as you are getting ready for the gathering, like Tegan was saying, to set the table the night before, to clean your house the night before, and for you as the host to get ready first. So as there are more details than usual, more people, more food than usual, you feel ready and just that extra step towards kind of hosting confidence and opening the door um, that you will surely need to make everyone feel extra welcome and to embrace the gathering with those that you invited. For more tips on how to plan your uh, main dish and your side dishes and make sure that they come together cohesively, how to ingredient match, and all of those kind of techniques behind the scenes that help you build the second nature-like ability that Tegan was talking about, You could take our class at hospitalityacademy.com. Academy is spelt with an I-E at the end instead of a Y. And while there are wonderful classes in there that will help you from food styling to home organization and everything in between, we are specifically talking about our class and our curriculum called Planning and Pairing Memorable Meals. Thank you so much, guys, for being here today. We hope that this episode was rich and helpful and that you loved inviting Tegan to the table as much as we did.